Hey, welcome to the Beam Project, everybody. This is your boy, Pinto Beam. Um, so I have a guest host on the line today with me, and she is, her name is Amory. She's actually my sister. What's going on, Amory? Hey, how is everybody? Yeah. So what I want to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about, like, how people judge other people simply by their appearance. You know, people always are judged without knowing what the true story is. And I think this conversation may get a little bit deep because we want to talk a little bit about like our background and how, like how we grew up and things that people may or may not know about us um, and how it made us stronger people to, to who we are today. Um, so I guess the one thing, it, and when, when people look at you now, um, what, what's like the first impression they get of you? I mean, I know for me, everybody swears like I'm so rich and I live this fabulous luxury life all the time. So what do they think as soon as like people get to know you and meet you? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. They definitely look at me like, wow, she really has her shit together. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it because number one is just because I, you know, I like to travel and you know, we like nice things doesn't necessarily mean that we have a, a shitload of money. You know, we work hard for our money. You know, there's times where we could be working multiple jobs. I know like I have a full-time job and a part-time job and sometimes a part-time and a part-time job. And it's just to have things that I want and I don't really need to ask somebody for and things that we never had growing up. Right. Uh, the biggest problem that I have, I guess, is when somebody is seeing somebody like in the street, you know, those that are less fortunate than us. I, I really don't like to use the word homeless or anything like that. But those that are less fortunate, you know, people think that they're out there because of like it's their fault, you know, and not all the time is it their fault. You know, there are circumstances that are beyond anybody's control. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, growing up, you know, <laughs> you know, obviously we grew up in New York, so it was, it was a different time back then than it is now. Um, things were just so different. You know, our, our parents were, they were married, and, you know, a lot, so we had a two-family, you know, a two-parent household, but it was more like a one parent household because our father who, are, you know, I, I use the term sperm donor a lot, um, <laughs> <laughs> was hardly ever around. Like he was there, but he wasn't there. Um, so like our, our struggle was dealing with, okay, where is he? What, you know, is he coming home? You know, where's our dad? Because all it was, was our mom all the time. Um, and what people don't realize is, you know, our father was a compulsive gambler. I mean, I, th I want to say until the day he died, he was probably gambling on, I bet you I, I'm going to outlive this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. And even when he was there physically, he wasn't there emotionally, mentally, none of those things. Yeah. Cause when he was there, it was just like laying on the couch or sleeping or ordering us to do things like sometimes <laughs> I don't know about you, but like, it felt like we were 
slave, like a slave to him because it was like you had to get what he wanted at that moment. He, if you didn't get it, you got in trouble. Yeah, and it was a lot of that, and it was a lot of you never knew what you were getting. You never knew if a certain comment or a burp even, <laughs> anything, anything would make him literally flip a table, pull a phone out of the wall, just all kinds of craziness. Exactly. So that, that was always always a big issue. Not so much the slaving part, because I guess I kind of got used to that part of it. It was more of the, what am I walking into now? Exactly. Um, so being in a house where your parent is a compulsive gambler and like he would legitimately gamble his whole paycheck away and come home and have nothing. I mean, I'm sure you could recall the many times that we've moved as, as children. Like, I don't think we stayed in one location probably as, when we were younger, younger, more than maybe two years tops. Yeah. That's what I would say. Two years. That was about it. Yeah. So as soon as we ever got comfortable, it was like, all right, pack up and let's move. And it wasn't like we knew it was happening. We were surprised. Oh, by the way, we're moving tomorrow. Or you walk into the house and boxes are packed. We're moving. Right. And as kids, we didn't know. We were just like, okay, you know, okay. We yeah. Didn't I have mean, the idea. Exactly. Because our parents said this was happening. Okay. We're going to go with it and just do what we have to do mm-hmm. with with the gambling part that just <clears throat> was so bad was like our little summer vacations. <laughs> I don't even know if they were really vacations, to be honest. We always went somewhere and it always revolved around a racetrack. Right. So yes. it was like, where are we going for, for the weekend? You, you could bet on your hand that it was a race to a racetrack. And we were there all damn day. Yep. And it was like, as kids that are, you know, anywhere between eight to, you know, 14 years old, I don't want to be in a racetrack that all these men are just yelling and there's smoke everywhere. Because back then, you know, people could smoke in the buildings and it was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when we weren't in the racetrack, we were in OTB. Correct. And for those that don't know, OTB is called off-track betting. It was, I don't know if they still exist. I don't think so. But no. it was like a storefront, like a little convenience place where you could go, <clears throat> excuse me, and place bets on horse races and whatever it could be and sit there and watch it. And I just remember being in there for so many days. And it's like you know, if they pick you up from school, not you're not going home. You're going to OTB. Yeah, and you and I would pick up all because they would throw their betting slips all over the floor. <laughs> we used to pick them up and stack. You just play around with them because we had nothing else to do. And in between getting screamed at because we would make him lose. Um, exactly. Yeah, because it was if we our fault. Yeah, because if we sat there and we looked like we didn't want to be there, and then he lost that race, he blamed us. Right. I remember being screamed at. Um, at the Meadowlands and we were, I don't know, I was mad about something, had my arms crossed and he wanted me to uh, root for him. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I don't want to be here. And I was mad and he lost. 
he screamed <laughs> the entire way to the parking lot, screaming at me how I made him lose and I'm bad luck, like all kinds of beautiful names. <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, it, it, and it's amazing how even though we are, well, I'm still in my 40s, you're not in your 40s. Um, right, I'm in my 30s. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still when certain things could be said or you hear certain things, it automatically triggers you back to things that happened in our childhood. And it's, it's scary sometimes. Like, oh, like you hear that the horse race was um, that bugle that they played before each yeah. race. And like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm listening. I hear it like now. Mm-hmm. And it, it just really re- triggers things. But also with his gambling, again, we had nothing but to us we had everything because we had you and i even though we may not always gotten along but that's all we had and then our mom was always there like mommy would do anything and everything for us and we know the struggles that she put up that she had to put up with in order to make sure that we were still there Mm -hmm. um i that one time that i remember when we were younger we came home from school and the bo- the boxes were ba- um was stacked up and they say hey we're moving to California and no it was like- that's no that's not how it went we went to school we went to school I remember being called down to the office and mommy saying okay we got to go get Michael because you were in a different school I was in no we were in the same school different floor what I don't mm-hmm. know different office I don't know and then we went to get you and we're like where are we going because usually she would take us out of school to go see grandma mm-hmm. different story different sure. story but <laughs> so we didn't we didn't know um we just got in the car and we literally left with what was in the car and what we had on our back period that was it end of story it was my 13th birthday I remember being in Texas because we drove from New York to California in, in Texas, the- I got a perm <laughs> with a sour apple, uh, no, green apple smell. So even that smell brings me back. That's where I spent my 13th birthday. Yeah, I mean, and we traveled in, I can't remember what year. I want to say it was like a 1980, like Cadillac. It was red. I, I can remember it vividly. I can see it right now. Red with the white, like, ragtop type looking. And that, we... That's the car we lived in through the, the trip to California. And then, obviously, once we got to California, we had nowhere to go. But, you know, mommy has some family members there. So, luckily, we were able to be there um, and have a place to stay. And then, you know, things went down south real quick with that. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, here it is. We had nowhere to live. So the car that we drove from New York to California was basically our home. I joke all the time. Well, now I could joke all the time and say I was the highest. uh, What do I say? The highest class um, homeless person you'd ever meet. We were in a caddy homeless. Exactly. Leather top caddy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it was four of us in the Cadillac. You know, obviously me and you in the back. And mommy and daddy were in the front, but people don't realize that that's where, that's where we live. That's where we slept in. And when, you know, when he was able to find work, 
you know, it would be like as a security guard. And I remember so vividly that there was some nights where you and mommy were in the car outside of the little security hut that he would work in. And I would be inside with him on the floor, you know, laying on the floor with the little heater because there was room for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and people, when they look at us now, they don't, they can't even imagine that what we've gone through, you know, they think that we have this, again, this fantastic, luxurious life, but doesn't realize where we came from and with these struggles. Yeah. I mean, it, I try to, to think of even when I'm out and see somebody, maybe they're having a bad day and maybe just smile at them or something because you don't, you never know what they're going through or what they've been through. You know, you just, you just don't know. Exactly. And, you know, luckily, you know, for us, I think one, our biggest saving grace was like the United Way and the Salvation Army because they would give like, vouchers so we could go eat whether it was like at a diner or like a little uh, rinky dink restaurant whatever it could be or the food in the missions because you know we slept in missions as well yeah we slept in shelters we slept in parks um we ate in soup kitchens pantry all of that type of stuff salvation army um yeah people they don't see that so when i see it it you know, and I see people on the street, especially here now in Florida, they're always on the corner. I try not to judge them, try not to, because I know what it is. But I also have that other side of me that's like, well, what, why are they here? How are they here? We were children. We didn't have a choice. Exactly. And I, I remember sometimes for us to be able to eat, we would walk into the supermarkets yeah. i think it was probably rouse back in california oh yes that's the name of it yep you know and i you know our parents would sell us okay we're gonna walk up and down the aisles and we we had like the lunch meat on, and, the hawaiian the, bread. and the hawaii the king's hawaiian rolls that are so popular <laughs> now but back then it was just like a big pie tin like one big loaf like a cake yeah, yeah like a cake and as we were walking through the supermarket, we were eating the bread and the cold cuts because that's how we ate. Mm-hmm. He taught us how to steal. He taught yeah. he taught us uh, things that well that we don't do, but he he definitely taught us how to steal. He taught us how to manipulate. He taught us how to uh, a lot of illegal things. He taught us lots of them. I, you know what? And but looking back on some of those things, I, I think it helped us in ways in life because it made us aware of our surroundings more. So you can't get over on us as easy as somebody who may not have had the type of struggles that we had and the things that he taught us. Mm-hmm. And not just that, it's it's also that we the way that we turned out we could have been way different or at least one of us for both of us to turn out well mm-hmm. we're saying it other people might not say it <laughs> um, <laughs> that's okay um you know things could have been way different where i made a conscious effort million years ago that i would never treat my children the way he treated us and i think to this day i haven't 
You know, he, he even to the fact of him always telling me, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you have grades like your brother? Because I'm not my brother. That's why. Yep. You know, so that was there was always like a competition. And I swore that that's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it was it was such a struggle. And, you know, and as just as we said it, we were so young. And because if you were 13, we're only four years apart. So I was nine. Mm -hmm. So at nine and 14, we are seeing things and experiencing things that grown people are, are normally experienced. You know, we shouldn't know how to, um, back in the day with the gas pumps, you know, cause <laughs> you, it's not like it is now. We have to go into the gas oh, station, God. prepay for it. And then it, they program it. It back then you turn it on and it just rat and it just rings up. And then when you're done, you pay for it. Or you um, take off. Yeah, but and I remember <laughs> so vividly he would say, "Stand there, and when I tell you, just turn it off and turn it back on." So it looked like it was all started all over because the attendants never knew because they weren't paying attention. So mm -hmm. we got away with a lot of gas. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of times like I think back when we watch movies and stuff. Like I tell the girls, I'm the movies with like underground card games and the guns and everything yep. right there on the tables. I live that. Yeah, I was there, so that's not just made up, make movie type of. I mean, yeah, movies are movies, but that stuff really does happen. Yeah, I mean, again, I remember being going with him to Brooklyn and just being down in this basement, basement, and with a bunch of people, and they're just playing dice. Yeah, playing dice, and they have the guns on the tables. They there's money everywhere. There's screaming everywhere. There's no other kids but us. But there's this we're the only ones. Yeah. It's just, it's really crazy. And what people really don't know is, and we found out at a much older age because, you know, mommy, I guess she shielded us uh, with some of the things. She didn't want us to know some of the, the, the bad things that really worse than what we're talking about. You know, when we had to leave for New York, you know, all we knew is that he owed money to, um, like the mafia people and all these big, big loan name people, yeah, mm -hmm. loan sharks. I mean, he's that. I mean, he's had dinner with some of the mafia people, like that were big back then. Mm -hmm. um, and They're in our family. <laughs> so we're not even going to talk about that part. Um, so he owed money, and we thought they were coming to hurt him. Right. But. When we came to find out years later, when mommy told us was they were coming that day to kill me, oh, you and mommy, you know, because they don't care about anything. You know, they want they want to hurt you as badly as possible. So killing the kids and the wife and letting you watch it is more, more hurt than anything. Than them breaking your legs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So here it is. We. We could have been dead if we didn't leave at that moment. Yep. So there are, I mean, I could re remember there were some positive things, you know, he's done. You know, he wasn't. <laughs> like he, what? Please. He wasn't like an, always an evil, evil man. You know, we, we do talk a lot of negative stuff about him because that's a lot that we knew of. But, I mean, the one thing that 
I could say is that if you ever need, like if you were really stuck in something and you needed him, he knew what to do and how to get you out of it. And then he also knew how, how to, to throw back smack in the face. you in the face with it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But but that was a good side. Like he was able to get you out and able to help you, but then throw it in. You remember when I did this for you and you can't ever right. do nothing else? Right. He, my first wedding, I had had to borrow $5,000 to get married. He took that whole $5,000 and bet it and lost yeah. all of my money. Remember that? Yep. I, and it's my mother to, is, was such a saint to stay with him. Um, yeah, but and, I didn't see it that way. And I think that was so meant so much of our issues because I felt like, Growing up, I felt like, why is she keeping us here? You see how he treats us. You see, why why is she doing this? And it wasn't until I became an adult and her and I got closer that I realized, okay, now I know why. Now I don't blame her. But for many years, I did. Yeah. I'm, I, you and her didn't always have the greatest relationship because of that situation. Because you were a daddy's girl. You know, and I was more of a mama's boy, I guess, which is the normal. You know, boys go with the, the moms. But she really did everything in our in our her power to keep us because I remember her even telling us at one point that she had to make sure that we stayed together because they wanted to put us in foster because of the situation. And you know, obviously being homeless and not working, you have two little children, younger children the state has to step, step in there and she did what she had to do to make sure that never happened. Because if that would have happened, we would never probably would have been in each other's lives. Yeah. I mean, I know that now, but back then I, I did. And I just saw it as, don't you see the way he's talking to us? Don't you see the way he's treating us? Yeah. And the way he's treating you, like he demeaned her in every way that he possibly could. But the one thing he never did was he, he never, never put raised his hand, hand on her. No, never yep. put his hand on her. He hit everything around her. Yep. because he knew that she would kick his ass right oh yeah she would have killed him and i and i know that but i but that was a that was yeah a very big deal between her and i but you know towards the end thank god we were able to clear all that up and i saw it you know as a mom as a wife exactly because you know and then with with him passing you know at, this november is actually gonna be two years which flew by Insane. you know I, it hit me differently than I, than I thought it was going to hit because I didn't expect to really feel anything because I haven't seen the man in, I couldn't even remember how many years it was. It was like, um, like nine or 10 years until we went to the hospital to see him and I still didn't want to see him. But the moment when they said he passed, like it really, it affected me in ways I didn't realize because he was our father. Well, he was your father. He claimed he always claims that I wasn't his, but that's a different story. Um, but that's he was just only, him being his mean ass self. That's all. Yeah, that's, all I, but that's the only that's the only father figure that I, I really ever knew. Um, but you mentioned that you always said you never wanted to treat your girls any which way that how we grew up, and I think it's the same thing. Like with my with my boys, you know, people say that we spoil our kids. I don't, I, I say, okay, to a degree, our kids may be spoiled, but the way I look at it, it's not that I'm spoiling them. I'm trying to show them 
things that I didn't have. And I want them never to have to experience what we had to go through. Yeah, and they go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. And I, I just want them to be, you know, stronger individuals because some they may have heard some of the stories, but I don't know like how much they really understand their stories. You know, our kids are all grown, but I don't know if they really still deeply understand what we've gone through and what it had, what made us the people we are today from it. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think they really do. Maybe, maybe a few of them out of the six of them, maybe. Um, but it's a lot deeper. I think it's because we kind of joke. We don't really sit and talk to them about it. It's more like we joke about it now. You know, it's not, it's not as, I don't know. I don't know. We don't really sit. And then when we joke about it, they, they're like, wow, you know, I didn't know that, or I didn't know this. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's different. It, it, because it's not something that I don't walk around with my shirt saying I grew up homeless or I slept in a car or I slept in a mission. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? And I remember I was uh, in high school and we, it was a field trip because when I went to high school, like my last two years was in Pennsylvania. We had a field trip into, you know, into Manhattan, New York city. And we saw people that were less fortunate. And some of the, the people that I was with from the school, they're like, Oh my God, look at the homeless. Look at the bums. Look at this. Look at that. And, it really hit me because some of them were the friends that I, I knew and I really was friendly with them. And I said, you don't understand, like, don't call them that and don't make fun of them because you don't know what the deal is. So when I had to explain partially, like that was me years ago, they mm-hmm. didn't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, I, I tell people too that, uh, but you know how I am. I don't, same thing. I don't tell my whole life story. Uh, it, it. I could know. I have my two best friends that I've had for forty years. They still don't know a lot of things. It's just the way it is. That's how I am. I don't. You know. When I feel comfortable, that's when I'll tell you. And I won't tell you all of it. It's just who I am and how I am. So yeah. When people look from the outside, they're like, "Wow, she has her shit together. Look, she's doing this. She's doing that. She has this. She has that. She has you know name brand this and that." But so what? None of that matters. It, I prove that stuff to myself. Yep. Like, yeah, I have this and I have that. You know why? Because I didn't then. So now and, I do. And it's not like we just all of a sudden had money and started buying these things. Like you and I, we busted our ass to get where we are today. Right. Like I legit just bought my first home almost two years ago because I just never, there was a couple things. Like I didn't think I ever really deserved to own my own home. And I just didn't know if where I wanted to settle down because always moving around as you're younger, you you know, you're not used to being planted somewhere for so long, Mm -hmm. even though it happened years and years ago, it's still affects us on a daily basis that we may not realize it oh yeah no uh, trust me i realize it (laughs) my (laughs) husband and i talk about it all the time he may say something and it triggers me and i'm like whoa please don't say that again 
Yeah, um, I mean, it, know, it's, it's crazy. Hard. It's hard to, to deal with. And, you know, being, you know, 30 as I am, um, mm-hmm. you know, I still deal with all those triggers and it and it's hard. There's times where I'm just like, I could push it off. But then other times I'm like, yeah, no, that really hurt. I don't like that. It, it, and the thing is, the people around us, obviously, like the ones that we're to, like we're with, like your husband and and Devante and stuff like that, like they they understand some of the things, but like strangers or not not so much strangers, but acquaintances that we hang around with and f- like separated family members, they may not realize it. So if they say something, they don't know that they're saying it to hurt us, but it hurts. Yeah. So. I remember not so long ago because I, when I went to college down in Miami, you know, I knew somebody and, you know, we were friendly with them and they are now here in Orlando and they have a mental illness, um, but they are living on the street. So I saw them downtown and I went up to them and they, we remembered each other and I took him to the pizza place to make sure he got something to eat. So every time when I go downtown, I look for him. And if I see him, I take him to make sure he's eating. And he gave me one time a whole list of things that he wants. Um, It's just I don't see him all the time because they move. You know, he goes different places. But I was downtown with my friends and we came out the bar and I saw him across the street. And I said, Devante, there he is. I'll be right back. And I ran across the street and the people I was with, they were like, why is he running up to a homeless person? Like, what's going on? Because they didn't know. So, and they started saying things, and I heard them say things, and it just irritated me. So when I got done, I came back, and I said, look, this is the reason why I do this. This is who he is, and this is why I do it, because of my background. And they all were in shock, because they didn't realize that that's ever happened to me mm-hmm. because yep. again people judge you based on what they see and we have this mask on most times to make it look like everything in life is perfect when it's not and that we live a perfect life which we don't by far you know we all we still go through our daily struggles arguments and you know disagreements and bills have to get paid and this has to get done and you know issues with with friends long-term friends short-term friends um family members it happens you know you and i i could like clockwork we always have arguments right around the holiday time but that doesn't mean that that makes me and you love each other any less um it just makes us you know realize okay these little things don't really matter. Let's stop arguing about it. And we have to be there as family members. Yeah. I think the reason, because the holidays are the hardest time for us. So we're exactly. a lot more on edge. That, and, you know, the holidays was mommy's favorite. Uh, do you remember that one Easter we were in the hotel and like the mission hotel and <laughs> She scrounged up whatever money she had to get us an Easter basket. And she wanted to make sure that we had our Easter basket when we woke up that morning. Mm-hmm. And then she was so upset because the minute we put the light on, like it seemed to us like millions of roaches like ran out of that basket. 
And she was so embarrassed. She was so, so embarrassed. So bad for us. Yeah, and she was so hurt because she wanted us, even though we were homeless and the way we were living, she still wanted us to feel like we were still living on somewhat of a normal life. Yeah, I mean, we still we we still did things. We she always made sure our holidays. We always had what we needed. She always made sure, like I just said, we drove from New York to California on my 13th birthday. I was getting a perm. Who had money for that? We were, we were running for our lives, literally. You know, she just made sure that I had something special that was on my birthday. She always made sure that we always had what we need, a cake or anything. She always made sure of that. Exactly. And, you know, and I think that's why when when we got older, you know, we wanted to make sure that she had whatever she needed. You know, if we had it, and that's how I am still to this day. If I have something and you need it, I will give it to you as long as I could do it. You know, and people don't understand how the type of person I am is I like to help other people before I help myself. So I will give you the last dollar in my pocket if you need it. I will give you the food that I have if you're hungry. I, it's okay. I'll eat later. And I think that's what she gave us. Yeah, she was the most selfless person I've ever met. Yes. I mean, those who ever got the chance to know her, I mean, they say nothing but great things about her. I mean, it, it's just... She was a great woman, that point blank. And to put up with half of the shit that she had to put up with with, with your father, it just was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is a, a hard topic. It's, like, it's a very personal topic that, you know, obviously I want I talk to my sister first and say, hey, this is an idea I have. How would you feel if I talked about it? Because I do feel that people need to understand certain things, not just about you and I, but also to open their eyes when they see others and teach their children. Because nowadays these kids are so damn disrespectful. Like (laughs) it's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Like teach them when you see somebody that may be homeless, less fortunate, let them, like don't treat them badly. Like, Everybody has a story, and that's what I think people need to understand, and people need to teach these children. Yeah, no, I agree. Everybody has a story. Everybody has issues they're dealing with, and everybody needs to know. I mean, I'm glad you're doing this because I I feel like people do need to know that they're not alone. Everybody had a childhood. Not everybody had a rosy, perfect childhood. There are people out there that did, and good for them, Um, you know, but we didn't. So, you know, it is, it is what it is. And I, I feel like when I think back and I think, I think I've asked you this before, like when daddy died is, can you, can you remember any good times? And that I struggle with that. Cause I don't. Um, so some of the good times I could remember is when I guess we were definitely older, um, living in Long Island and you know he was working in the city even though still gambling but he was working in the city and then mommy was working at the apartment complex so basically our rent was free because she worked for the company 
So, like, he would take me to, like, some wrestling events. Mm. So, I, those are good moments that I could remember. And, like, WrestleManias were when they were big back then. Um, but there's not many except for those. The one that sticks out the most to me is when he took me um, and our cousin to see Annie on Broadway. I don't know if uh, you were there. I don't yeah, think I, you... I was there. Yep. You because were there? Mo- mommy couldn't come because she was she had a hysterectomy in the hospital, so we gave the ticket to, uh, to Barbara. Right, right. Oh, and... about the hysterectomy in the hospital when we came off the elevator and he got beat up in front of us. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of times where <laughs> we, where we were, somebody popped up and just started beating him up because of the money he owed. And this was the lifestyle that we had to live. Like, I watch these shows now, like the mob wives and the, the mafia family people. And it's like, yeah, that's we didn't. Our family was not like that. We weren't. Our father wasn't in the mafia, but we still saw a lot of the stuff that they're talking about. So we know what what they're saying um i don't ever want my children to, or your children to ever have to experience any of that you know and i think that you and i did a great job raising our children so they understand where we came from and what we have is because of the struggle that we went through yeah i, I mean I agree. Growing up, yes, I think back to the spoiling. I think that raising four daughters was very hard and they had to earn what they got. Like you it wasn't just given to you. But yep. now, now that I can spoil them and my grandchildren, I do it all the time. Um, you know, and there's times where like, Mom, I really don't need you to do that for me. You know, I got it. And they get mad at me, but that's just me being me. So now I have to try to push back a little bit and ask first, okay, can I do this? <laughs> and I don't, so I don't necessarily do that with the boys. Like I don't get them everything. If they ask me for something, it depends because you know, my kids, <laughs> they're crazy. Like, what do you want for your birthday? I want a 70 inch TV. Well, you're not getting a 70 inch TV. So <laughs> it's within reason, you know? And so if you just need something, like if you, Oh, can you send me five dollars because I don't have money for lunch? Here you go, and I'll send them like fifteen, twenty dollars so they have the, the get lunch. It's things like that. As long as it's within reason, I'm okay. I'm not constantly doing it because they need to learn how to be self sufficient. Um, because that's what we had to do. You know, mm-hmm. we had to learn how to cook and clean and do the dishes and everything like that because that was what our job was. You know, right. Kids, you know, they had chores, yes, but if we didn't have the food done by the time they got home, it was all hell. Yeah. Yeah. If the coffee, if the coffee pot was not (laughs) preset the night before, for him to just push the button, we got in trouble. (laughs) Or walking up that morning, fix my coffee. Yeah. Or or it was when they finally had the timer on it. If it if it was late, like if you set it for PM instead of AM, oh God. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a problem. No, all the girls, I mean, they are very, very self-sufficient. Don't get me wrong. They don't ask me for anything. It's just me when I hear that, you know, just in conversation and I'll hear something, I'm like, okay. And then I, I'll send it. And then they're like, What why'd you do that? 
Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just, you know, who I am. But I think that um, this is good, feels good. And everybody, yeah, they definitely need to, to look at other people like, you weren't just born yesterday, you have a history, you have a past, you have lots and lots of things that have happened to you that mold you to the person you are today. Exactly. Like we didn't just wake up in one morning and boom, we have houses, we have a house, you have a house, we have cars, we have this. We no, that's not how it happened. No. You know, it's <laughs> it's a, a life struggle, it's a roller coaster, ups and downs, and that's what life is all about. You know, even after we moved out on our own, you know, were things always rosy? Hell no. I was just thinking that I was just going to say when I, before I met um, Carl, when I was single mom with, with Brittany and Carissa, I lived in a, you know, that a roach infested apartment, no hot water, Mm -hmm. no heat. They, we had a one bedroom basement, little apartment, and they would sleep in the room with the electric heater and I would sleep on the couch and I have to boil water to heat it up, just to give them baths. And I would take ice cream, you know, it's, it wasn't, easy at all and then I remember when I met Carl I moved to another roach infested apartment but I had hot water this time Um, (laughs) the luxuries the luxuries you know I got to give up some things this was upstairs so I was moving literally up in the world um so when he came over he would ask uh we would have cereal or whatever and I would say it's in the refrigerator he's like why is it in the refrigerator I'm like it stays fresh uh, (laughs) fresh that way then he would say well where's the spoon I'm like in the refrigerator he's like why? Because they stay cold. Me, why I put everything in the refrigerator? You remember? Because I don't want yep. the roaches on anything. <laughs> yep. I mean, again, we could sit here for hours just to tell stories of how, <laughs> how even like teenage years, how we struggled with things. But I, I definitely think this was good just to get it out. Because again, it's not just so they know about you and I and the struggles, but also again look at people differently understand that people are not in that situation because they chose to some may have because they don't you know they want to leave the house because of what's going on in that house so you know these younger kids that run away end up you know like that and i feel bad for them but we don't know the stories there either why they're running away Mm -hmm. so just look at people for who they are not the situation that they're in love them no matter what because i was told you never know you know when when god wants to come back if that person's asking you for that dollar and you de- you deny him now you have no idea who that is so mm-hmm. if i have it i will give it if i don't nowadays it's unfortunate most people don't carry cash so when the, they ask, hey, do you have a dollar? Do you have a quarter? No, because I have no cash. But if I did, here you go. Right. So, I think, too, that if you're listening to this and if you're going through struggles right now, just look ahead and see that there is a light. It, it can happen. It's not always you have to stick in it. You have to stay in it. You, you don't. You don't have to stay in it. I mean, I we could have very well stayed in the crap we were in. but. Yeah we chose no this isn't going to happen i need better i have to have better and you keep going and going and going until you're better you know 
all the government assistance, all of that. I, who cares? It's there for you to have it. It's, it's that there for a reason. If you need it, take it. Don't take advantage. But if you need it, it's there. But don't exactly. stay on it. Just keep moving and moving and moving until you get on your own two feet and look back like we are and say, holy shit, how did I do that? I But look, I did it. I, me and Tanya, I, we had a conversation. I'm like, our first apartment, it was like $400. And, you know, she was pregnant with Michael. And I had a job that was paying like $5.15 an hour. And look back, like, how the hell did we afford that? But yeah. I don't know. But by the grace of God, we did. And, you know, we had some assistance, but we, we made it. So, again, look at people for the person, not for the situation they're in. Love them for who they are. You know, we're here just to tell us, tell our side and our story so it could possibly help somebody who may be struggling. So if you know anybody that is struggling or, you know, reach out to them, let them know that they're not alone because nobody in this world is ever alone. There's somebody out there for somebody to sit there and talk to and to have a conversation with. So I just want to say thank you, Emery. I know this is a, it was a very personal conversation. I'm sure we could talk more about it maybe on another episode. But thank you again for, you know, joining and talking about it. And the guys, you know, hopefully you enjoy this and tune in to next time and have a great night. Thank you. Bye, everybody.